Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On The Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. Now I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. What's the most scared you've ever been in your life? Most scared you've ever been. Our story today, I find it to be an endlessly fascinating one. With some really great people. I'm just kidding. Everybody in today's story is absolutely awful. And it makes the story even better. All right. Where we're going today is ancient Rome. We love ancient Rome because there's so much history to it. And there's so much political intrigue and backstabbing. And it was Game of Thrones long before that was a book series and television show, which ended really crappily. But that's another story. 
And we're going to talk today about a man named Marcus Licinius Crassus. Then we're going to talk about the Parthians. Marcus Licinius Crassus was probably the richest man who ever lived. If he wasn't, I mean, because there's always some dude who didn't get any publicity who was richer. If he wasn't the richest man who ever lived, he was almost undoubtedly in the top 10. The dude had a boatload of money. And understand that he was not not the most honorable human being in the world. Societies have treated things like police, fire, things like that much, much, much differently than what you and I know. There's not always a sheriff, a local police department, a local fire department with one of the cool little bar thingies that they have to slide down. It's not always been that way. Speaking of Rome, there was a long time where there was no police department. None. At all. And then when they finally got one, it was a disaster. We did a show on that a long time ago when they finally got the Praetorian Guard to guard the emperors. As we've talked about before, it's generally not a great situation when you're the only one with the power to do something to somebody. You remember the night situation we've been talking about the past couple of days? The Praetorian Guard thing turned out to be a disaster. They looked around and they were thinking to themselves, well... Why don't we just do whatever we want? Who's going to stop us? But that's another story entirely. Ancient Rome didn't have a Roman fire department. And that was very common throughout history. There's no city, state fire department. You need a fire put out. Either there's a private one or everybody just bands together. And undoubtedly, because of how many listeners we have now, undoubtedly somebody has been through a fire. We went through one that could have been really bad in my house, turned out to not be. But at one point in time, I have been standing out with my family in the middle of the night, staring at our home with just the clothes on our backs, wondering if I'm ever going to see any of my stuff again. And even as a kid who was fairly, you know, just kind of going with the flow, as I do now, that was a feeling I'll never forget. Standing there, sister, mom, dad, there's the house. Are we ever going in again? And of course, as they do, Fire department rolls up, charges in, takes care of things. It's all good. But there's somebody listening who's been a victim of home burning down, getting wiped out that way, and that has to be awful. But even that doesn't compare to how much they feared fire in the old days. Because our fire departments are so switched on and so prevalent, how far away is your fire department if something catches on fire? I mean, when's the last time you heard about fire department not getting there in time? It can happen, but man, these guys are dynamite. Really, really dynamite. Something we take for granted. In most of human history, fires are devastating beyond belief. One, you need to remember this. Everything's made from wood. And not necessarily wood that's been treated to be anti-fire. And you and I, because of movies and pictures, we like to picture something like ancient Rome. What do you picture when you picture ancient Rome? Chris, when I say ancient Rome to you, what pops into your head? An image. Colosseum. Absolutely. I'm the same way. Colosseum. White marble. And there was plenty of that at some point, but ancient cities are all made of wood. Most of Rome is made of wood. Rome is a place with 
multiple, multiple apartment complexes that look like an ancient version of exactly what you picture of an apartment complex. I mean four or five stories. That's how people lived. The Romans the Romans were advanced in every way for their time. For a long time after their time, Romans were advanced. So when a fire broke out in a populated area, everybody mashed together, everything made of wood, no firefighter sliding down the pole, hopping on his fire truck and choo-chooing his way to your house to put it out. It was not a kind of big deal. It was a life-ending, life-changing major deal. Major deal. Not just for you, for everybody around you. Picture an ancient Roman four- or five-story apartment complex. Let's be generous. Let's call it a hundred apartments. Candle gets kicked over in yours. Maybe lights a fire somewhere. That's a hundred lives wiped out. It is a huge deal. And so you have to get someone to put out the fire. Remember, you're not picking up the phone. You're not te- you're not uh, sending a page. You're not sending a text message. You have to send a runner. Lord willing, you have somebody on horseback. If you do not, and oftentimes they did not, you are at the mercy of some guy you send running up the road. And I, I know this is strange, but I oftentimes think about the little details that way and details you can't ever seem to get from people. Because you wouldn't write something like that down if you're someone who lives in Roman times because it wouldn't be interesting to you. In the same way, if I'm telling a story about my day and I outline sending a text, that's not interesting. That's the norm. But I want to know how many times did they send a runner to go get someone to put out the fire and... What if he sprained his ankle? Couldn't get there. What if he got robbed along the way? Did they plan for such things? Did they send two runners? Did they send three runners? I know that's weird. It's how my mind works, but I genuinely want to know these things. I want to know how it worked. Be that as it may. Crassus had his own private fire department. He really had a bit of a monopoly on the fire departments in Rome, which is a really nice place to be when people are forced to pay for their fire-putting-out services. It's also a really nice place to be when you are a real estate man, as Crassus was. You see, Crassus had a great scam going if you have no moral compass. Hang on. Listening to the Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. HomeTitleLock.com can save you from, I mean, what other way can you put it? A living hell. When a cyber criminal gets a hold of your home title, it is a living hell. These stories people tell when it happened to them, it's, some of them can be heartbreaking. They tell the story of getting this late notice in the mail for a loan they didn't take. Most of the time, you know what you do? You do the same thing I do. Oh, it's probably spam. Just throw it in the trash. Soon, you're in deep, deep trouble. Unless you have home title lock, a cyber criminal can and will find your home title, get your signature on it, get a loan out against it, and crush you financially. Stop taking chances. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Use the code JESSE while you're there. Get yourself 30 free days of protection. (music) 
Marcus Licinius Crassus had a great gig going. He would wait until your apartment, your house was on fire. And there are plenty of rumors out there that he didn't necessarily wait until your house was on fire. Maybe, maybe a little money can be slipped into someone's pocket to help that process along if it's a piece of property he has his eyes on. Maybe he's even already offered you money for it and you refuse to sell. So Crassus shows up while your home is ablaze, shows up with his private army of firefighters and tells them just to stand there and tells you, wow, that is actually a really nice place if you don't count the fire damage in that upper floor. Man, that's getting worse. I'll offer you a hundred grand for it right now. And you're thinking, that's outrageous. It's worth 150. And Crassus says, well, it's on fire. Clearly not at its top level. Well, I'm not doing it. Okay, don't do it. Then the fire begins to spread around your house, and Crassus, still standing there, turns to you and says, I'm on a, I'll offer you 80 grand for that right now. And you say, What? You just offered 100 grand. Well, yeah, but now the whole top floor is on fire. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Soon the fire moves down to the bottom floor and Crassus says, I will offer you 30 grand right now. Oh, they did it. Time and time again. They do it. You agree to it. Firemen put out the fire. Crassus, using his ungodly amount of money, just builds it right back up, sells it, makes more than 100% profit repeatedly, time and time and time again. So, not not a great human being. You know, we don't historically love to pass judge, judgment on the show, but that's not, ah, that's not a great, that's not good. It's really not good. And Crassus, he is missing something, though. And let's take a brief step away and talk about what's going on in Rome at this time. This is the time of Julius Caesar, of Pompey Magnus. Pompey Magnus was the great legendary Roman general. Julius Caesar, Pompey originally, by the way, was arch enemies with Caesar Then friends, then enemies, we're not going to go into that. But long story short, Julius Caesar is, of course, incredible. Maybe this side of Jesus Christ, the most amazing human being who's ever walked the planet. I mean, might be. The dude was a genius at, like, everything. Poetry, writing. He may have been the best general who ever lived. The dude was just, and by all accounts, he was a superhuman IQ. Rises up through the ranks in seek of glory. He's this great general. The Roman Senate is chafing at the fact that Julius Caesar is gaining so much power and glory and kind of fighting an illegal war in Gaul. Now, Julius Caesar needs friends. Pompey and Crassus hated each other. However, they were all three able to come to an agreement, and this is called, you'll probably have heard of this before, the first triumvirate. Yes, I'm sure at the time it was just called the triumvirate because there wasn't a second one yet. But what they did was they joined their military might, money, influence together to take on the Senate. That's the kind of era we're living in. Now, Romans, especially big shot Romans, Romans sought military glory. It was treasured. It was everything. In the same way everybody wants to be a victim today, everybody wanted military glory back then. Remember, the Romans would essentially keep the faces of their dead relatives and they would have a face room of their dead relatives who accomplished great things. And as a child... You would be brought to this room. You would know about this room. This would be like your food pantry. And you would go into this room and you would gaze on, oh, 
There's Uncle Larry. He conquered the Chinese. That, you think that had an influence on young men? This is your uncle. This was your grandpa. This is what this guy did. And this is what this guy did. He took on 10,000 here. He conquered this. That's how you were raised if you were a member of high society. And brings us back to the triumvirate. Crassus has all the money in the world, all the influence in the world, but he does not have the pelts on the wall. Pompey does. Julius Caesar does. Crassus has nothing. The only really military success Crassus has is when he defeated Spartacus in the Third Servile War. We've talked about that before. It was Crassus at the head of that army, but remember, through most of history, it's a class society, and you don't get pelts on the wall for beating a bunch of slaves if you're a Roman. Even though Spartacus was more than capable, Spartacus's army was slapping around Roman armies all over the place. By all accounts, what Crassus did is really awesome. You don't get some big pat on the back for that. It's a bunch of slaves. You better beat that. And that was in about 70 B.C., which brings us to about 50 B.C. Crassus has accomplished everything a Roman can accomplish at this time except for, in his mind, because of his culture, he has a gigantic hole inside of him that can only be filled with military success. He also has a son who is coming up in the world militarily. His name is Publius. And remember that name because you know I don't drown you in names, but you're going to need to remember that one. Remember the most scared you've ever been? Publius, I believe, is about to experience that. But we'll get to that in a moment. Crassus needs a war. Crassus needs to conquer somebody. The Romans were partners at this time, allies with the Armenians. Isn't it amazing how long Armenia has been a thing? We're talking about before the birth of Christ, and Armenia is there. I think that's kind of cool. I need to learn more about Armenia. That's another story. And the Armenians are beginning to chafe as they fight this pretty stinking militarily tough group called the Parthians. Now, Parthians are up and coming, but here's what the Parthians have been doing while everything else has been going on in the world. You remember the Seleucid Empire we talked about the other day with the big war elephants and the gigantic heavy infantry, you know, because they're Greek, they're, they're a break off from Alexander. The Seleucid Empire is huge. The Parthians have been fighting them because they run right up against them. So they've been having to fight that heavy infantry. Also, because of where Parthia is, they've been having to fight the nomadic tribes of the Asian steppe, the horse archers of the Asian steppe. Think Mongols and Huns and people like that. Now, if you were continually having to fight against heavy infantry armored and you're continually having to fight against horse archers who are the best in the world, one of two things is guaranteed to happen. Either your society is going to be utterly wiped out or in very short order, you are going to be some of the baddest people who have ever walked the planet. And the Parthians definitely went one direction. Hang on. Took the truck into the shop yesterday. Had to take the wife's car to work today, and that would normally stink... One, because I don't fit in it well enough. Two, because my Bluetooth isn't hooked up to my truck anymore. Doesn't stink anymore. I have my little Raycon earbuds. Popped them right in my ear. Enjoyed my shows all the way to work today. Hardly even knew they were there because they're so small and light, they don't strain my ears like other earbuds do. 
also, and this really may help out now, they cost like half of what the what the other high-end earbuds cost. I cannot speak highly enough about this. It sounds crystal clear. The bass sounds good. The voices sound good because I listen to a lot of podcasts and radio shows. Raycon earbuds are a necessity now. Go to buyraycon.com slash jesse. That's buyraycon.com slash jesse. When you go there, gets you 15% off your order. Brassus, he needs some pelts on the wall, but these Parthians are not to be trifled with. The problem for the Romans is they just don't quite realize that yet. The Parthians are having some little quibbles with the Armenians, who are the Roman allies. But when I say little quibbles, I mean little quibbles, nothing major at all. Crassus decides he is going to have his war, and have his glory. The Romans are thought of as these imperialist conquerors who stomped around the globe, taking over everything underneath the sun. That's kind of fair. But remember, we choose what we remember about a society. Crassus gets an army together, a big army, 40,000 dudes getting ready to march him to Parthia. And he is heavily, heavily opposed by some very powerful people in Rome. Again, we don't like to think about that. What's he do- what are these idiot Romans doing? How, how much power do they need? There were Romans all over the place. Cicero is one of the big ones you'll hear all the time. He was this powerful senator talking about this is unjust. This is not right. You can't be conducting these wars. But how much sway do you have over a man like Crassus? How many senators does Crassus have in his back pocket that owe him for life? So Crassus marches off to war. Now this is where this is where pride really starts to get you. Crassus first stops off and Starts talking to the Armenian king, as you would. They're your allies. The Armenians are clearly happy to see you there. Oh, thanks for showing up. Slap around these guys for you, for us if you don't mind. Crassus is more than happy to oblige. The king tells Crassus, do not go this direction, even though this is the most straightforward direction to the Parthians. Make sure you go the other direction. Go through the mountains. Take a different route. Crassus says, nah, I don't believe you. I'm going the direction I want. And he begins to march straight towards these people. Crassus, again, is poorly thought of here as he should be, but it should be noted he had several capable generals there underneath him, including his son, And most of these capable generals were saying, what are we doing? This is the wrong way. We should be cautious. We should slow down. What are we doing? Crassus, however, chose to use this local guide slash interpreter for most of his guidance on the route he should take. That can work out just fine unless the local guide slash interpreter is directly in the employ of the Parthian army leading you into a trap on purpose with your 40,000 Roman legions. Well, Roman legionnaires. Should be noted, most of these 40,000 men were the heavy infantry you would picture. Not the heavy infantry from the movie with the scaled armor, even though that looks sweet. This is an era where most of the heavy infantry, they had the big shields, but they used kind of the chain mail armor, like you would picture on a, a medieval knight. And that kind of thing. Not that that really matters for the story. I just always found that was fascinating. like to know what I'm dealing with here. But they are heavily armored. And this point... 
This point we need to dwell on for just a moment. Romans were not good at lots of things combat-wise, but whatever they weren't good at, they would simply steal from the people they conquered. Like in this army, Romans never had excellent cavalry. They just weren't great. So they choose the Gallic cavalry. Why not? We got some friends slash people we've dominated, the Gauls. They're really good on horseback. Let's get some Gallic cavalry there. Now they don't have a ton, but they've got some. But what the Romans were always good at is, one, building fortifications and engineering things. They were just unbelievable people at that. And two, heavy infantry. The Romans conquered the globe with heavy infantry. And let's be honest, if you had to choose one thing and only one thing to be great at in ancient warfare, you would pick heavy infantry almost 100% of the time. It's great to have good archers. Uh, you'd rather have heavy infantry. It's great to have great people, you know, great cavalry. You'd rather have heavy infantry for the most part. But everybody tends to have a military specialty that reflects where they live. There's a, there's a reason the Asian steppe nomads were all great horse archers. Because we're talking vast distances here. An army has to be able to move a long way, move it really, really quickly. So we're talking armies that had nobody unmounted. Nobody. And there was one other aspect to the Parthians and Asian steppe tribes. The Romans were not prepared for and very, very, very much should have been prepared for. And that was... The compound bow. Romans were well aware of bow and arrows at this time. Don't believe anybody who says they'd never seen a bow before. They'd seen bows and slings and things like that. Romans, however, except in small encounters here and there, had no idea there were bows and arrows that existed that were several times more powerful than any bow and arrow they'd ever faced. The bow, unbelievably powerful. The arrow, unbelievably thick. Think about the difference between, and I'm just making up something here, between the thickness of a thickness of an ink pen, okay? Now make that quadruple in size and firing at the same speed that the ink pen was fired. That's what we're talking about here. It's no different than combat today when you deal with things like ships or tanks is a great example. How safe are your tanks in an an area? Well, I'll tell you this. When we first entered Iraq, when I was there, they, I'm not exaggerating, did not possess a weapon in their small arm, in their infantry. They did not possess a weapon that could penetrate the side of our Abrams tanks. They didn't. It was a great situation to be in. Now, they adjusted really quickly, and you figure that out, but that's it's a big deal. The thickness of the armor and the penetration of your weapon is a big deal. Now, very similar to that situation, I want you to picture you roll into Baghdad with 100 Abrams tanks in front of you, and they don't possess a weapon that can penetrate these tanks. Do you think your battle tactics reflect that? And let's say you've never faced an army with a weapon that can penetrate these tanks. Do your battle tactics reflect that? Of course they do. Now, what happens when you face an army with a weapon that can penetrate that for the first time and your tactics aren't ready? This Parthian guide leads Crassus's 40,000 men into this area where there are some kind of kind of rocky hills beside it where the Parthians are hidden and waiting. They have chosen this specific place. There's a river to the Roman army's left. 
the Parthians appear, and they say this, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know how much of this to believe because it sounds so theatrical and life doesn't always work like that, but the Parthians do something when they show up that's kind of cool. Hang on. Never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit adoptuskids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Crassus, his army, trying to imagine what was going through their minds standing there as the Parthian army rises from the hills. I guess they began pounding on drums, which has historically been used often as an intimidation tactic, which, I mean, that would be pretty intimidating because it's such a show of confidence. We're not slinking around. It really just says without saying Wow, have you walked into our bear trap now? And the Parthians reveal themselves on this hill, and apparently they throw off, if you believe the story, they throw off the cloth covering, and they have this shiny armor all over themselves and their horses. The horses were called cataphracts. They had heavily armored horses and heavily armored selves. And they all had compound bows. And not only did they have compound bows, they had ammunition. One of the things people don't think about, because it's not sexy to think about, it's not fun to think about, doesn't make for good movie scenes, but remember, amateurs study tactics, professionals study logistics, as the old saying goes, Ammunition matters a lot. I can be the best, most highly trained shooter in the world. If I don't have anything to shoot out the barrel of my gun, what good does that do me? I can have these incredible compound bows the Romans haven't experienced yet. If I don't have enough arrows, what good does it do me? Well... The Parthians apparently had some general. His name was Serena. It's the last name I'm going to pour on you. Remember Crassus, his son Publius, and now the Parthian general Serena. This dude understood logistics. On top of his 10,000 horses, that's how many he had. Remember, we got 40,000 Romans, 10,000 Parthians on horseback. He had camels. Now, why would he have camels? The camels had an exclusive duty to carry bundle after bundle after bundle of arrows. Stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of them. Romans make a big square by the river, and it's a big hollow square, which again, remember, these are the ancient tanks. Nobody can penetrate you. You have a river at your back. You form a big square with your shields and spears pointing outward. I'm sure they kept their supply baggage and such inside of the square. 
what can hurt you? If you're Crassus and Crassus's mind in the mind of a Roman at this time, nothing. Except you didn't understand what you were facing and you didn't understand the combat these Parthians had already been through. You see, as people will figure out after this battle, because the Parthians will be around a long time, the Parthians very well could have been the next great empire if they ever could figure out their internal political struggles, which they never did, because militarily these people were absurd. Parthian general takes off at a full gallop right down towards the Roman lines. I'm sure at this point in time, the Romans are thinking, oh, nice, this is going to go well. Except the Parthians don't charge into the line. The Parthians peel off. They peel off and they begin to pull back these gigantically powerful compound bows and fire these humongous arrows at the Roman lines, which is no problem, right? Got my shield, got my armor, fire your arrows, except the arrows go through. And I'm holding up my shield with my forearm. No problem. I'm hiding behind it until I feel something that feels like my arm just got ripped off. And I look down and an arrow has penetrated my shield and the armor on my forearm and has stapled my forearm to the shield. I attempt to pull it out, but it's now pulling out and tearing tendons and muscles as I do so. The arrows are penetrating, and now they're penetrating Roman feet. They're stapling the Roman feet to the ground where they have to pull them out so they can move. They're penetrating shins. They're penetrating helmets. You're watching your guys fall beside you with a Parthian arrow through the eyeball. And Crassus thinks to himself, as you would, this is certainly not good, but how many arrows can these backward savages possibly have? They have a lot. Hang on. Birch Gold. Birch Gold is here to make sure you're not financially destroyed if the market, when the market has a big old, how do they put it, correction. And we all know that correction's coming, right? Don't, don't fool yourself otherwise. There is a market correction coming. You cannot spend, borrow at these levels while keeping interest rates low and printing money without a massive market correction at some point. The market will respond. These are not theories. There are laws in economics. Why don't you have your IRA, your 401k, rolled over into a precious metals IRA yet? At least, at least go to birchgold.com slash jesse and find out about it. You get a free kit there, free 20-page kit. Do all the reading yourself. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Go to birchgold.com slash jesse. Go there today. They're not running out of arrows. You are the Romans, however. You're not a bunch of scared little girls. You're used to dominating. You're used to conquering. And you have Crassus's own son, a rising star in the Roman military, a very capable man named Publius. 
Publius decides he's going to take the Roman cavalry and he's going to do something about these Parthians. You must do something to push them back, push them off your troops, give your army some kind of relief. My word, can you imagine the distress you would be under at this time? He rallies a whole bunch of Roman cavalry guys. Let's go get them, boys. And they charge out. I believe I believe he had about 5,000 men with him. So this is not a tiny tiny amount of cavalry and they charge out towards these Parthians. These Parthians take a look at what's coming and they turn around and race the other direction. Except they're not scared. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Well, Publius decides he's going to try to make a go of it. The Parthians turn around on horseback and ride in the opposite direction. But remember, you know this well from all our shows on the Mongols. we got to do one on the Huns soon, Chris. The Huns are sweet. All our shows on the Mongols. This is a common tactic with nomadic Asian horse archers, with Asian steppe people. They don't view honor the same way the Italian European people did. And for some reason, the Europeans never got this, always struggled with this concept. You don't turn and run away. That's why I love the Asian step. They're all, well, why? If I can sucker you into something, what do you mean I don't turn? Yeah, I do. They turn and run the other direction on purpose, specifically so the Romans will chase them. And remember, these are people born in the saddle. They can shoot you at a full gallop running away from you. They turn around in the saddle and shoot you. It's actually named after these people. It's called the Parthian shot. In the saddle, they turn around. You're chasing after them. All of a sudden, you have an arrow sticking out of your chest. But the Romans keep going, keep going, find themselves on a little hilltop. And they find themselves all of a sudden surrounded by the Parthians. And remember, the rest of the Roman army they just left, these are all heavy infantry guys. They're not going to pick up their shields and run their 80, 90 pounds of gear, maybe more, and come save you. This is the Roman cavalry, and now you're surrounded by the Parthian army on a hilltop. And remember the most scared you've ever been? Picture this. The Parthians begin to circle the hilltop as fast as humanly possible on their horses to kick up a massive dust cloud so the Romans are not only on the hilltop, they can't see anymore. And they're surrounded all the way. And once the Parthians get the dust cloud as thick as they possibly can, they start firing arrows into the center of it because there's nowhere else for the Romans to go. And they get massacred. Publius at one point knows it's over, wants to commit suicide, but his arm is stapled to his shield and he can't do it. Has to have his shield bearer or slave or servant, it's unclear exactly what role the guy played, kill him so the Parthians don't get a hold of him. 
the Parthians get a hold of his dead body, lop off his head, and I want you to picture this moment if you're Crassus waiting around for your son to return, the Parthians return riding around your army back and forth with your son's head on a spike. How's that feel? What does that look like? There are two versions of what comes next. What we do know is night falls, the Romans break and run because they know this battle is long over. Some Romans make it back to Rome. Many Romans are captured. I believe the Romans lost about three-fourths of their army in total during this. But what happened to Crassus, this is where we get to two different versions. I know the one I like. First First version is this. The Parthian general meets with Crassus and a few of his guys to discuss terms. This would not be uncommon back in the day. Crassus has lost his horse. The Parthians have a tradition that for us to discuss terms, you must be on a horse like we're on a horse. You know, kind of a strange tradition, but you can see it. Let's be on equal footing and we'll discuss terms. Apparently, Crassus, while getting on a horse, being helped on his horse, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know if Crassus was some huge, fat, rich guy or super rich. I don't know what the story is. Something happened while Crassus was getting on his horse where a Parthian did something, looked a certain way, did something towards a Roman. The Roman didn't like. The Roman freaks out, kills him. The Parthians way outnumber the Romans. They slaughter them all and cut off Crassus's head. That's one version. The other version, and it's so weird how different the versions can be, the other version has Crassus in basically a little village with what remains of his army. The Parthians say, you better come meet us. Crassus hops on his horse, rides off to go meet the Parthians, and is never seen again. I like that version because it's more mysterious and the human imagination is more powerful than the actual story lots of the time. In fact, I'll get to that again in a second. I have a funny point to make on that, but still. And then as far as what specifically happened to Crassus, well, we don't know. They say he cut off his head and then they poured molten gold down his throat. That's one version. Another version is they cut off his head rode his head back to the Parthian king who had Crassus's head used in a play that the Parthians loved, which had the need for a head in it. You cannot succeed no matter how rich you are, No matter how many resources you have at your disposal, no matter how powerful your army is, no matter what, you cannot succeed if you don't understand what you're up against. And what you've always done, oftentimes that's not good enough anymore, and that's often the hardest thing for you and I to face. Don't you face that in your personal life now and then? You're getting older. I know that because that's how time works. I'm getting older. I have to do a little more now than I ever had to do to stay in shape. I have to give up things now I didn't have to do anymore to stay in shape. I can't anymore. I can't go crush some chips and queso at 8 o'clock at night and go to bed at 9. I have done that for most of my life. Now, that's a recipe for waking up with heartburn an hour later and then gaining 10 pounds. Things change. Things change politically, too. Things have changed for you and I. You and I must understand the left we face today 
The Democratic Party we face today is not the Democratic Party you have known in your lifetime. This is the final version of what these leftists have always wanted. It is aggressive. It is weaponized. And they are coming for you. And they are ready to come for you. If Joe Biden gets elected president of the United States, be prepared for a major piece of gun control legislation. And I mean major. They're not playing games anymore. Which means you and I can't play games either. All right. 877 377 437 When I was having trouble sleeping, I would dread going to bed because you have that feeling of exhaustion and you have that feeling of, oh man, I I really, really need sleep. But then, you know, as you're walking into your bedroom, you're already looking at your bed. I know because I did it. You're looking at your bed thinking, oh, it's not going to happen tonight. I already know it. And you're usually right. And you don't have to go through that anymore. Ebb sleep is a wearable device, not sleeping pills. You put it on. It provides precise, continuous cooling to your forehead, which calms down those thoughts and puts you asleep. It is natural sleep, which is so much better. Go get you an ebb sleep and get you one today. Go to tryebb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Don't forget to use the promo code jesse either. Get you another 25 bucks off. Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly Show. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, Call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. 
And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.